Glory to God. Well, we're not just here to get revelation for ourselves. We're here to get revelation for other people, right? Go out there and share it with them. We're over in the book of 1 Timothy. We're over there last week looking at his introduction, grace, mercy, and peace. We see that mercy is poured out to all, but especially those that are in ministry. You get even more mercy. And as you get, you are to give. If we want to receive more mercy, we have to make sure that we give out the mercy that we have received. Always give out mercy. The more mercy you give out, the more mercy you get. Oh, it's good. You can't overgive. <laughs> just keep, when you get something, just give it. Just give it right on out. Always be given mercy. Just be, just be knowing the person that's in front of you, maybe they don't deserve mercy. Glory to God, neither did we. <laughs> but we give mercy. There are times we need correction, that's true. But we want to make sure that we, we do the things that are necessary to, to give mercy. Well, as we saw the introduction to the book last time, looking at the things that Paul was doing, we saw about doctrine and purpose. Doctrine and purpose, that there is a reason for the things that are given to us. There's a reason for, there's a purpose for the instructions. And we want to make sure that we line up with those instructions for the purpose. And that there's a lot of people out there that are teaching things, going in, in the direction with God, being ministers. And all you need to do is look at the, the way they operate. And you can tell. Does the doctrine, does the ministry, they have, are they following the purpose? And he gave you some good introductions on that because he was telling Timothy, I'm leaving you there to keep those guys in line that are off. <laughs> You've got to bring them back. You've got to keep them in line. You've got to make sure that the other people don't follow after, uh, follow in the same way that they have have gone. And of course, we gave you the things to recognize the right teaching for things. We've given this to you before, but it is plain. It, the scripture comes right out and says it. You don't need to get some kind of a, a Greek degree to figure it out. It comes right out and it says it. It's right there. It is repeated. You will see whatever, whatever things we are supposed to live by are mentioned more than once. It's not some obscure thing that happened one time in the Word of God somewhere that people are telling you, well, maybe that happened this way or we think it happened this way, so we should always do this. No, it's repeated. It's demonstrated. It's not just taught. It's demonstrated. Someone in the Word of God has done it, and it's consistent with the rest of the Word of God. The Word of God is never disagreeing with itself. Well, over here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Well, we're going to do some things to help you understand this verse a little better, clarify it a little more from where it is right there, because I'll tell you what, we need to, to learn some of these things that Timothy was being taught. When he says here, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, I thank is literally, I have constant gratitude to, I have constant gratitude toward. When you get into the tense of the Greek and so forth, this is what it means. I have constant gratitude to our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, is that consistent with the rest of scripture? Are there other people who had a constant attitude of gratitude? Yeah, and those are the ones who went, for, went far in, the, in the, the things of God. Don't we like it when our children have constant gratitude? You don't know what that's like, huh? <laughs> yeah, constant gratitude. It's just a, it's a, it's a way that you are. It's, you are constantly just, just thankful. There are some people, no matter what you do for them, they aren't happy. You know those people? No matter what you do... No matter what the person in, you're in line to buy something at the store, no matter what the person behind the counter does, they're not happy. No matter how they redo the hamburger, they're not happy. No matter what they give them for free, they're not happy. No matter what you do with some people, you just can't make them happy. There's just nothing you, but if you are in a constant place of gratitude, you're just thankful for everything that comes your way. You're, you're thankful when it rains. You're thankful when it's sunshine. You're thankful when things go this way. You're thankful when they go this way. You're just always thankful. You just can't be changed off of that. You just can't be moved off of that. That's just, that changes how you operate in this world. It changes how people operate with you. We need to be in a place of constant gratitude. So I think is literally, I have constant gratitude to or constant gratitude toward. I, I have constant gratitude toward Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, we've got to make sure that constant gratitude, this is not something we don't become grateful in prayer. Oh, it's prayer time. I need to become thankful. We're going to be in front of some people and they're Christians. They go to church where I go to church or they, uh, you know, they know that I'm a Christian. Oh, I need to be grateful. And we put on our grateful face because we're in front of people. No, be constantly that way. I put this in your outline. When you are something, you don't ever have to become it. When you are something, you don't ever have to become it. You never have to become grateful if you are grateful. You know, we, we look out here and we have two groups of people. We have men and we have women. If you are a man, you don't have to become a man. If you are a woman, you don't have to become a woman because you are. You are one. If we are something, we don't have to become it. If you are a fan of a particular team, aren't you always a fan of that particular team? You don't become a fan every time that they play. You are that way. <laughs> That's just, if you are, are in school and you are a student, you don't just become a student to study. Well, I'm going I'm to go into, and study some now, so I'm going to become a student. No, you are a student. You are, you are something. We need to be in this, in this mode. I am a grateful person. I am a thankful person. I am a person who always exudes gratefulness and thanksgiving. That's just who I am. So he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. If you're going to be thankful and grateful, this is important. We need to be so for something. Imagine it this way. If someone is close to you, spouse, children, boss, co-worker, if they come into you and they say, oh, I just want to let you know I am so grateful for you. Oh, yeah, what did I do? I don't know. What are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? Did I do something? No, nothing at all. I'm just thankful. For what? <laughs> it's, it, and sometimes people, we, we can fall into this with, with our worship of God. We just sit there before God, oh, Father God, I thank you. Oh, Father God, I just, I'm so grateful for who you are. I'm just, I'm just so grateful. And God says, what are you thankful for? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure that there's something in there. No, you, you got to come and you got to say, thank you for something. If somebody made you dinner, you say, thank you for dinner. You have something that you're thankful. If you're going to become thankful for something, you have to have something specific. And this is why if you become a grateful and thankful person, you are always keeping in mind what you are thankful for. We're going down the road. We're thinking, all right, I'm thankful and grateful. For what? Oh, I'm thankful for grateful that my Father God brought me into a place of understanding the light, the light of Scripture. I am thankful to my God that he has called me, that he has equipped me, that he has made me ready, that he has given me understanding. You're you're conscious of all these things, and so you're thankful for something. We need to be thankful for something. If you uh, had a Christmas day and you had a a child there and that child just came up to you and said, well, thank you, and you may pull him aside and say, is there something that you got for Christmas that you're really grateful for, that you're really thankful for? No, not particularly. I don't really like anything. But thank you. Well, what are you thanking me for? You didn't like anything. I know, but, but thank you. That's contrary. That's, it's, that's not, not right. If you want to become a grateful, thankful person, then you must be mindful of what you are thankful for. What has God done for you? Well, he doesn't have to do anything for me. I'm just thankful and grateful. No. <laughs> you have to know that he's done something for you. He saved you. He's healed you. He's cleared your mind. He's, he's done all kinds of things for you, but keep it in mind. What has he done? Here's three things that he's think he is thankful and grateful for. First thing, he enabled me is from the Greek word endunamo. Now, you know what root that is. <laughs> Dunamai is, uh, is in there, which is, of course, a word for power. This is to empower, enable, increase in strength or strengthen be or make strong. To be 
or to be made strong. This is what this word is talking about. He enabled me. He empowered me. He increased my strength. He strengthened me. He has made me strong. He is saying, I am thankful because He has enabled me. He has, has is, who has enabled me. It's past tense, isn't it? And it, it bears it out in the Greek. It is past, God has enabled us. How many of us have ever heard, I mean, nobody here, but other people, they have said things like, oh, I just need the Lord to strengthen me for what's ahead. I just need to be stronger in this situation. I'm just, I feel so wore out by what's here. I'm just, oh, I just need God to strengthen me. Remember we were talking about on Sunday? Five-minute effective prayers? See, that's, an, that's not an effective prayer because that's not understanding the Word of God. What's the Word of God say? He has enabled me. Oh, but you don't understand. I need strength and He's the... <laughs> no, this is when you stand up to your body. This is when you stand up to the enemy. This is when you stand up to your spirit, your soul, whatever it is. And you just say, I have been enabled. The Word of God says that He has enabled me. He has empowered me. Therefore, because he has empowered me, the word of God says he has empowered me. I don't care how I feel. I am empowered. We need to stand up to some of these things and just say, I don't need to be strengthened future because I have been strengthened already. And this is talking about ministry. This is he's talking about God has called me into the ministry to do things. We're going to get into what that ministry is. But just to, to do the things for God, I have been made ready. What God has called you to do, He has made you strong enough to accomplish. Glory to God. He's already done it for you. And so when you look, how many times have we looked at that ministry that we are doing for God? We've looked at square in the eye and it looks bigger than us. <laughs> it looks harder than us. Oh, I don't think I can make it. What we need to do is stand up and do, and do just what Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy to do here. He's giving him a model. I am so thankful for God. Because he has enabled me. He has strengthened me. Strengthened me. Now see, here's the thing that the enemy likes to get you into. Remember, the tactic of the enemy is to get into your thoughts. He wants to plan a thought. He wants to get something in your thinking that is contrary to the Word of God. So what Paul says is this. I am in an attitude of thankfulness. I am in an attitude of gratefulness. And there are three things which he lists in here. doesn't really list them, but there are three things we're going to pull out. He says he has enabled me. He is constantly, continually in a place of being thankful and grateful that God has enabled him. It is impossible to maintain that attitude and think you cannot do what is ahead of you. You have to get out of being thankful and grateful that he has enabled you in order to think I can't do it. We have all had thoughts, I can't do it. Paul himself even said, I despaired of life. <laughs> so don't think that Paul's not saying it hasn't been tough. But he says, I thank my God, he has strengthened me. Whatever your task is that's ahead of you, whatever kind of ministry that you have, for whatever people that are around you, at work, at home, church, whatever it might be, God has already enabled you and so walk in such a way as to be grateful and thankful on a continual basis. I have an attitude that I am grateful and thankful that he has empowered me. He has empowered me. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. He has empowered me. He has made me ready. Another way to put this is to the one who endued me with the necessary strength. Whatever strength is necessary, God has put it in you. So he goes on. Who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. Who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. The word there, because, or in for, depending upon the translation you have. For he has counted, for he has counted, or because he counted me the word there for for or the word there for because is hotai, which is better translated because. King James, New King James already has it in there. If you have a King James, it says for, it should be because. Counted means to deem 
account, consider, or think. Canon means to deem, account, consider, or think. So the word here, because he has deemed me, accounted me, considered me, he has thought of me in such a way as to be faithful. This is what he's done. It speaks of a belief or appraisal that does not rest upon one's emotions. How many times do we have beliefs and appraisals of things that rest upon our emotions? When our emotions get stirred up, my belief in that thing is, is stronger. When my emotions get messed up, my belief in that thing, oh, it kind of drops down. You know, if you're feeling good about your spouse that day, feeling emotionally high about them, it's easy for you to believe in them. If something happens that it causes your, you to get a little messed up in that emotional area with your spouse, what happens to your belief in that spouse? Does it not kind of drop off a little bit? But this is, it speaks of a belief or appraisal that does not rest upon one's emotions, but upon the due consideration of external grounds, upon the weight and comparing of facts. It refers to a deliberate and careful judgment. A deliberate and careful judgment. God has made a deliberate and a careful assessment a deliberate and a careful judgment. Paul, I have found you to be faithful. Is that automatic in our life? If it was, why would he be grateful for it? Why are you thankful for something that should come? If it's automatic, if it's supposed to be there, why would you be thankful for it? It's supposed to be there. We have not all been counted faithful for the task at hand. God is still waiting on some of us to get ready. Isn't that right? He's looking at us. We're given certain things. And God has put them in our hands. And we're seeing, how are you doing with those certain things? When I see what I need to see, when I see that level of faithfulness, when I see that level of trust, when I see that you are putting forth the effort on what I have given you, then I'll give you some more. And the Word of God bears us up in all kinds of places. If you're not faithful with unrighteous mammon, how will you be faithful with what is God considers to be valuable. If, in other words, if you can't handle money, how is God going to handle, give you anything that he considers to be valuable? Obviously, God doesn't consider money valuable. But it's a great way to determine whether people are any good or not. Give them some money. See what they do with it. How faithful you are with your money tells God what he can do with you in ministry. <laughs> what do you think of that? Well, that's what he was teaching there with about the unrighteous mammon. Well, you can tell some things just with uh, God. Just, he's just giving you something that God, he didn't even count it as, as valuable. It's just money. But he puts it in your hands to see what you think of it. To see how it changes you. Because money in the hands of some people, it changes them. Let's see how you do with this. So he's given these things. And uh, all along the way, Paul was given certain things here and certain things there. And, and God said, look at, look at how he treated that. Look at what he did over here. Oh, wow. He's done all right with that thing. All right. We can go ahead and put more in there. How many times have we wanted God to put more valuable things in our possession? Oh, Father God, I know that you can trust me with this. I know that you can just do this with me. I know that you can get... Have you ever worked your rent in a place and seen that employee who's going around telling the boss, Oh, boss, you need to give me more. Oh, boss, you need to trust me with more. <laughs> and you, you see them when the boss is not around. And what are they doing when the boss is not around? Lazy. Not really uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Going off and doing other things. Making their personal phone calls. Going out in the back room. Just sitting around. Not getting their stuff done. And so you're saying, hmm. <laughs> we better not promote that one. That one better not get, a, get ahead. Well, somehow the boss was not around. But he's giving them certain things along the way. And so he can kind of monitor the situation. And see what's going on. And see what's happening. And they put certain things in, in different ones' hands just to see what they would do. Just to see how they would do with the thing. What are you doing with the things God has put in your hands? What has God put in your hands? God has put money in your hands. How are you doing with that? Sometimes God will come along. He'll put one or two people in your hands. Here, take care of that. Minister to these one or two people. See how you do with those one or two people. What are you going to do with them? Are you showing mercy? Are you showing love? Are you showing grace? Are you praying for those people? What are you doing? How faithful have you been? Are you doing the things that God thought would be important? 
So he goes on. He is counted faithful. We, want, we always want God to be see, seen us as faithful. How many people know that you yourself will see you as being faithful? <laughs> but God, I've been faithful. But God, I've been, I've been doing okay. But you see, there's a standard. I don't think any of us have ever come through a job where we thought the boss wasn't elevating us as quickly as he ought to. That, you know, I, I think I'm able to do more than the boss is able to, to see or that the boss is trusting me with. But the boss is looking at certain things and we're looking at it from another standpoint. And we've got to make sure that we do the things that the boss, boss sees as being faithful, not what we see. We want, all right, I consider this, this, and this to be important. But the boss says, I don't consider those things to be important. I consider this, this, and this to be important. Well, and we say, I don't consider that to be important. Well, then you stay where you are. (laughs) In order for you to be seen by the boss as faithful, you must meet the standard that the boss sets. Whether you agree with it or not makes no difference at all. If you want to advance in that company, then what that boss sets forth as this is the standard of faithfulness, this is the standard of trustworthiness, this is what shows me that you are ready. I got to find out what is it? What is it that he says? How is it that I can be faithful? Now, we've done a whole series here in Sunday morning to pass on faithfulness. If you forgot some of those things, you can go on back there and go up online because I think they're all up online and you can download those and listen to them again. But it's important that we know what does God say about my faithfulness? Because I think I'm faithful. I think I've done pretty good for God. I think I've done what he wanted me to do. But God hasn't put more things in my hand. God hasn't done anything more. Yeah. Uh, What am I doing? Am Am I messing up something here? Well, there's all kinds of things that God has put into our hand. And he's looking to see how we... We would do it just in the beginning of this, this uh, book right here. God has given us grace, mercy. What are we doing with that grace? What are we doing with that mercy? What are we doing uh, when God has given us mercy? Are we giving out that mercy to other people? If, if I'm not, then what am I not being? I'm not being faithful with the mercy he's given me. God has given us love. If I'm not out there loving other people, with the love that he has put inside my heart, what am I doing? I'm not being faithful with what God has given me. God has given to each one of us a measure of faith. If I'm always down on my knees saying, Father God, increase my faith. (laughs) I'm not being faithful with what he has given me. We all think, you know, it's, it's really easy for us as Christians to get to a place we think, until I get to a certain amount, I can't do anything. But God says you never get to having more until you learn how to give away the stuff that you got. Until you learn how to put to use what it is that you have. The guy who had five talents gained ten by putting the five that he had to work. And by the implication of the story, he put those five talents at risk. He put them at risk. He could have lost them. Same way with the guy who had two. Because the one who had the one said, I didn't want to lose what you had given me. So by implication, the one who put, had five and put it to work could have lost it. It could have lost something. You have got to be willing to lose what God has given you in order to gain what is out there. You got to be willing. How many times have we loved people and they've let us down? Did we lose something in that? How many times have we extended mercy and people let us down? Did we lose something in that? Are we wrong for having extended mercy? Because sometimes, you know, the enemy can start hitting us with thoughts. You should never have extended them mercy. They They didn't deserve it. Mercy is not about deserving it. Did God extend mercy to us ever and we come up short? Did he ever extend mercy to you and you kind of went back and... <laughs> I'll never do that again. Just be merciful to me. God's merciful. And then what happens? I went out and did it again. <laughs> right? Did God say, well, that's it. You know, I, I gave it. I trust, tried it one time. It didn't work with you. And he doesn't do that. Just because people burn us doesn't mean we made a mistake. Sometimes God needs us to take what we have been given and, and put it out there for the people and let them squander it. 
Let we've given them love, we've given them mercy, we've given them the word, and they squandered it. They didn't do anything good with it, and it went away. That's not your problem. It's not your problem. Your your thing is get out there and find some more places to put it. When the sower goes out and he sows the word, and he sows most of the seed that he is he is throwing, what happens to it? Nothing. Most of it dies. It's only one one well one quarter of the land. I don't know what the percentage was where he actually put it, but uh, we had uh, four different types of soil. Only one of those soils produced anything. The other three didn't. Is there ever an exhortation? Or is there a, uh, a leading in the story? that When Jesus interprets the story, does he ever say so? If you see the soil has rocks in it, don't sow any seed there. If you think there might be some thorns, don't sow any seed there. If you see birds nearby... Does he ever do, he doesn't say any of that. That's not the implication of the story. Story is, sow the word. He starts off, the sower sows the word. <laughs> We're sowers. We sow what we have. We sow the word. We sow mercy. We sow love. We, we sow what understanding we have of the word of God. We, we get out there and we sow it. We sow it. We sow it. Yeah, but it didn't produce anything. So, is God limited in, in his seed? Is God limited in his mercy? Is God limited in his love? We can't give away too much of it then. Yeah, some people are going to burn you. Some people are going to hurt you. Some people are going to let you down. Glory to God. <laughs> they let Jesus down. They burned him. He can just he can say, Father God, I know exactly what your son was going through when he's down on here, down on this earth, going through this with these people. I've been burned, but not nearly as much as him. He was burned far more. I'm Glory to God. We stay in attitude grateful, thankful, because I look at all the things that God has given me, not the things that I have lost. And we just keep on going on. Well, Father, I just thank you. You'll bring some other people along that I can sow into. I can extend love to. I can extend mercy to. I can extend trust to. I can, whatever it is, we can extend these things to. Has God put gifts of the Spirit? Has God put the Word of God? Has God put the ministry gifts inside of people that have let Him down? That have not done what they should have done with it? Surely He has. It certainly, certainly has done so. Here's the third thing. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, number one, because He counted me faithful. He, he keeps this in mind. I keep this in mind. First off, I have been made strong. Secondly, He counted me Faithful. He counted me faithful. We got so much in the specifics here. Don't want us to lose sight of the whole thing. Keep in mind, God, when he, we get to a point and he has counted me faithful and he has given me something to do for him, then I must always keep that in mind. Glory to God. Look at what God has given me to do. Look at what God gave me to, to work on here. And I've, I've got to keep that in mind. I'm being, Father God, I thank you that you gave me this thing. Instead of giving in to the thought, well, I only got this to do. No, thank you, Father God, for counting me faithful and giving me this to do. Oh, this is good. This is what we're going to do. So because he counted me faithful, he enabled me. Here's the last one. Putting me into the ministry. Putting me into the ministry. Ministry here means service or ministry, not necessarily just the ministry gifts. Service or ministering. Service or ministry. God has put us into a minute. Whatever it is, we're serving God. In whatever way that we serve God, we are in ministry. And I'll tell you what, service for God is not hard to find. We're always, you find some Christians, they sit on the sidelines and they wait. Well, no one has given me anything to do. As soon as somebody gives me something to do. No, you go around, you find it. You find something to do. What is it? That you can do. How is it that you, what, what can you accomplish in there? There's surely something for you to, to do. You find things. The people who soar in this, this working world are people who, when they are put in a job, find things to do. We find things to do. Whatever it is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find, my, I'm going to get something busy. I'm going to find something that this guy is going to keep me around for. The Eagles had a player. Uh, he stuck around the Eagles for a long time, the, the football team, Eagles. He stuck around for a long time. 
and he was a quarterback. He was not a really good quarterback. He was an okay quarterback. Never a starting quarterback. Never a guy that, you know, you would look forward to going into the season with this guy behind. He had a brother who was more famous than he was, and he still wasn't a, oh, he, he got to start a few games, but not a whole lot. Wasn't a, a real good league guy. And this was the brother he was less than. His brother. He wasn't as good as his brother. So as he was in the league, he found himself a job. Because, you know, if you're not the first string quarterback, you're a second string quarterback. He was the third string quarterback. Third string quarterback. And the third string quarterback, they sit there and they hold the clipboard. That's your job. You hold the clipboard. I don't know what you're supposed to, why he's the, clip, he's the clipboard holder. And so he was the, the guy who's in there. But he said, I, he found himself a job. He did that job outside of quarterbacking so well, I believe he had a job with the Eagles for about 11 years as a backup. I think it was 11. It was a long time. It was a long time. And they finally, every year you think, is this guy going to hang around? And sure enough, he hung around. He stuck around. He stayed in there. And he was their third string, second string, whatever. He's a backup quarterback for a long time. But you know what it, you know what it was he did? He learned how, now get this, to hold the football. That's all he did. He learned how to hold the football. And so he learned how to hold the football so well that the particular kicker that the Eagles had at the time loved this guy. And he seemed to kick better when he was on the team. And so they kept him. And he got paid. I mean, backup quarterback in the NFL gets paid a whole lot more than most of us make. (laughs) Whole lot more. You get paid well for never having to go out there and do anything. You just, you know, pretty much practice all the time. But he learned. He would go out there and, and he would hold the football. You know, Lucy... In the penis, she didn't do such a good job at holding the football. <laughs> but this guy, he did a great job of holding the football. What happened one year was finally they had to say, we need to move on. We need to get somebody that we can train up who can actually take over the starting role. We've got to get rid of this guy. And they finally let him go. And the kicking game fell down. And they brought him back for the playoffs. Gave him a new contract and paid him for the whole playoffs just to hold the football. What a holder does is the long snapper snaps it to him and you got to put that, you have about two seconds to catch that football, face the strings towards the goal, have it at a certain angle that that particular kicker likes it and get your hand out of the way. And you got to do all that in about two seconds, maybe not even two seconds. And so it's all a fluid motion. You got to catch it, drop it, spin it. Move the hand out of the way and keep the one hand up on the top. And then you're going to hold that hand there while this kicker who can kick a a ball 60 yards (laughs) is going to kick that ball and you don't move that hand. If you ever watch, you ever watch the the holders, you just watch them. They never watch, they don't know watching the ball as it goes. Their eyes are right here. And when it goes, they don't move. They stay just like this. There's follow through, I guess. I don't know. They just stay just like that and they don't move. For, for a couple of seconds after the ball's gone. They'll stay. Just watch them. They'll stay just like this. Because if you don't, if you suddenly think the ball is kicked and you move and the ball <laughs> hasn't quite been kicked yet, oh, but that just changes the whole thing. And so you know who this guy is? Have you figured it out? Coy Detmer. Coy Detmer had a brother who was with the Eagles and he did a pretty nice job on a few games. But Coy was never going to be mistaken for a good quarterback. But boy, he was an awfully good holder. And he had himself a job in the NFL for a number of years and came out with his body unscraped up, not beat up, because all he had to do was hold the football. Maybe once, twice, three times a game, you'd come marching on that with the team and you'd hold the football. (laughs) That's not bad to get paid that much money for, for what they, they were doing. Why? Because he, he looked around. That was, he didn't come in learning, having already learned how to do that. He learned how to do it there. He told us afterwards. I figured I better find myself another job if I wanted to hang around. <laughs> so he found himself another job. I'll tell you what, Christians, we, we gotta just start looking around. Stop waiting for jobs to be handed to you and look around and find stuff. Find stuff to do. 
I learned that early in life. Every job I ever went to, I was always looking for what else can I do? Beside the job that I'm doing, what else can I do? How can I make it? And I always found things and people would always, once they saw, well, he's taking this on, taking that on, taking that on. They put other stuff on there. And oh, Why not? You're more valuable. And if they ever get to a place where they're going to let somebody go, who are they going to let go? Not the ones that are valuable. And if you ever get those things and they're given to you, what do you do? Be grateful. Glory to God. Look what I got. Not complaining because there's some people who take on some extra stuff. You have people at work always complaining, well, they wanted me to do this and they wanted me to do that. They wanted me to do this and I'm so tired of doing them. That's not the right attitude. But you got the people, they're out there and they have the extra work, extra things given to them. And what do they do? Glory to God. <laughs> I got some extra stuff to do. I got some things that I can, I can get done. One of the things that I found out is, uh, you know, employers don't generally like to, to pay overtime. Ever been around that? They don't like to pay overtime. Every single employer I ever had did not care if I worked overtime. There was not a single one I ever had who cared. They gladly paid me time and a half to do whatever it was I was doing. And I didn't just get an hour or two. I was generally in 60 and 70 hour weeks, which meant almost you know, the two thirds of my time is overtime. And they never complained about it. Nope, nope. Was, keep Steve out there on the road. Keep him out there. They went to pizza place. I get extra shifts. Well, it's going to be overtime. It's all right. Come on. I pick up whole shift, eight, ten hours, whole shift, overtime. I'm thinking the whole time, I'm getting paid time and a half. <laughs> this is good. This is all right. And you're, and, but you maintain that attitude. Why? I'm grateful. I'm grateful. They called me up. They could have called other people. They could have called so-and-so. They're not in overtime. But they called me. Why? Because first off, I have a grateful attitude. I have a thankful attitude. I came in. I'm going to be grateful. Oh, I sure am glad you called me. Thanks for calling me on in. I could use the extra hours. This was great. Appreciate that. And when I was working around, I'm finding things to do. I'm, I'm, I'm working hard to, to do some things. And that, if you do that, people are going to bring this one in. He's going to cost us more money. That's all right. It's worth it. Let's do that. It, it changes things. These are three things that he was, he was grateful for. First off, I have been strengthened. Secondly, he counted me faithful. Whatever it is that something came to him, he didn't look at it as a burden. He says, he counted me faithful. He saw that because of what I had done in the past, I would do this. He counted me as faithful. He's always grateful for that. Every time his ministry began to grow, every time that more churches were being added, that more people were being added, he always looked at it as being Grateful because he counted me faithful. When the revelations increased, he said, thank you, God. You counted me faithful. You put these things in there. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Whatever ministry you're in, never look at the ministry you're in with disdain. Never look at it that way. And don't think, well, I'm just getting burned out. Hogwash. Your attitude's wrong. Change it. Fix it. Burnout doesn't cause a bad attitude. Fix your attitude. Be grateful that God has counted you faithful. Yeah, but I've been faithful. I don't, uh, faithful by whose standards? You've got to be faithful according to God's standards. If God has not decided to promote you, put more on you, it's because I haven't been faithful the way He wants me to be faithful. I've been faithful to the standard He needs me to be faithful at. So Paul is always having an attitude of being thankful, grateful for the Lord strengthening his trust and call to service. Always stay mindful of that. God has strengthened me. Whatever God has given me, he has trusted it to me. And he has called me into service. Thank God he has called me into service. So he goes on. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. We have to overcome sometimes the past. We've got to overcome the past. This is what he did. He overcame the past. Who was, although I was formerly a blasphemer. Well, who was, I was. It's, this, this is what he saw. I was formerly a blasphemer. I was formerly a blasphemer. 
I was a person who was against the things of God. I was a persecutor. I was an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Some acts of unbelief are born of ignorance, but not all. Sometimes people have acted in unbelief, fully knowing what was going on. I'm just not going to believe that. Mm-mm. No. Well, may not be as much mercy for them. But he's saying, I got mercy because I did what I did. I did it ignorantly in unbelief. I didn't know. Well, I sort of bear out because as soon as Jesus Christ came down and told him, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What did he do? He changed. Apparently, the ignorance was taken care of. If he kept going, he couldn't claim that because he wasn't ignorant anymore. So some acts of unbelief are born of ignorance. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. We also know from the Word of God, He says that where grace or where sin abounds, grace abounds. And much more. There is always more grace than there is sin. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love. How many times have we been praying for faith and love? Oh God, help me to love you. Oh God, I need more faith. Faith and love come with grace. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Translation here from Weist, I am constantly grateful to the one who endued me with the necessary strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he deemed me trustworthy, having placed me in service, though I was the very one who heretofore was a reviler and a persecutor and an insolent, destructive person. But I was shown mercy because being ignorant, I acted in unbelief. Moreover, the grace of our Lord abounded exceedingly together with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is a faithful saying. What God, what he's saying here is basically this. What God has done for me, he will also do for you. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. It is worthy for you to accept this. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. If he did this for me, he will do it for you. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me, first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. The word there for long suffering means a patient holding out under trial. Long suffering is a patient holding out under trial. It's not a grit your teeth and bear it. It is a patient holding out under trial. You may remember we've talked about this word before. It's made up of macros, which is long, and thumos, which is soul or spirit. It has a sense of a strong passion, stronger than even orge or anger. Thumos is a tumultuous swelling up of the whole spirit, a mighty emotion which seizes and moves the whole inner man. The restraint implied in macrothumia is more correctly expressed by long-suffering. It is a patient holding out under trial a long, protracted restraint of the soul from yielding to passion, especially that of anger. When you are involved in long-suffering, you are not holding back the anger. That's not long-suffering. What long-suffering is, let me read it again, it is a patient holding out under trial a long protracted restraint of the soul from yielding to passion, especially that of anger. You have your mind, your soul in control. And though these people come along and they try and stir up your passions for anger, nope, not going to get me. (laughs) 
you are sitting there long suffering. Not gonna, I'm not giving into this. I am not giving into this. Mm-mm. You're not going to get a hold of me. It's a whole lot better, a whole lot easier to walk this way when this stuff doesn't get hold of you. How many have been in a place where this stuff got hold of you? It got hold of your emotions and you were angry and you were mad. And then you're trying to hold yourself back from doing what you're going to do because you're angry and you're mad. It's too late then. It's too late. You got to stop it before it gets there. You know, you don't want that stuff to, to go on. <laughs> now I <we> tell you. <laughs> However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering. So it's demonstrated by Jesus Christ as a what? Pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. What Paul is saying is from all the things that I had done before I got saved, Jesus Christ gave us a pattern. He showed his ability to be long-suffering with me because I was out there killing his servants. I was out there persecuting his church. Then he did not respond to me by the emotions that these things could stir up. That is just amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine that you have this guy, Saul, on the earth and he's going around killing your kids and you sit there and you say, not going to get mad. I'm not going to get mad. Nope. He was long-suffering. This is, this is something this world surely needs a whole lot more of. Because all the time on the news, we're seeing all this sensationalized stuff. You know, these five-minute clips over here, video clips of somebody doing something. And you get, and it's whole, wholly orchestrated at getting you mad at the person they want you to be mad at. And if you give in to it, you're wrong. And we also, the, the latest thing we had up on the, you know, you're just watching TV, not even watching the news. You don't have to watch the news. They're going to put this on the little 30-second clips they put in between that you're fast-forwarding on. And there it is, and the, the, the police officer who hit the young lady in the face. And everybody's mad at him. Anybody ever talked to anybody? Was going, what, what, I, I looked at that, and I said, nope, I am not letting that stir up my emotions. I'm not going to get mad at the police officer. I'm not going to get mad at the young lady. I don't know what she did. Because I don't know the facts of the case. I'm not going to call for his head. I'm not going to call for anything about her. But you know why? Because I don't know. All I know is five seconds of history right there. I know five seconds of history. I don't know the 15 seconds before. I don't know the 20 seconds after. I know that five minutes or five seconds. Now, since then, I've heard some things about the officer and the things that he had done in his past. And uh, there are some things I'm sure that were questionable. But he, he did do an awful lot of good things, too. Why is it that we can do so many, have so many years of good service and then one five-second thing, we're, we're judged by that? That's wrong. But you see, it's the news media that wants you to make the judgment. Don't do it. If you see those five-second clips, just know, more than likely, because the news media is doing it, whatever that five-second clip is demonstrating is probably wrong. It's probably not right. Just don't let it stir you up. Don't let it get a hold of your emotions. I heard that they fired the uh, police officer. I don't, they probably because of uh, peer pr uh, pressure from the, yeah, I heard it today, they, they fired him. I'm almost disappointed in that. I would rather just see, let's, let's let this whole thing play out and let's find out what, what had gone on. Because apparently the guy didn't seem like he had that in his record, in his past. And, uh, I, but I don't know the young man. I don't know the young woman that was in a, I don't know them. We can't make decisions based on five second videos. We need to just refrain from it. I wasn't there. And people want to come up to you and make, make judgments. Do you know the young man involved? Do you know the young woman involved? Do you know the situations that was going on around there? Were you privy to any of that? Did you hear his testimony? Did you hear her testimony? No, 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 no. Then what does, why are you making a decision? We don't have the, the right to make that decision. We shouldn't do it. You know the whole thing with uh, Trevane Martin? We, we went over that a few times. They doctored the videotape to make it look like. They doctored the audio tape to make it sound like. Don't buy into this thing. This is what people want us to do. But here's the, here is the pattern that Jesus set. With Paul, you got this guy who's not a five-second thing. This is, a, this is how he's living his life for a long time. He's going around from city to city killing 
Christians. And he's got papers to back him up. And God holds himself back. Because if you were God, what would you do with Saul? How many of us, if we were God, there, there, there's no epistles of Paul? Because he's dead. <laughs> he's, he died. <laughs> we're not even giving him a chance to get saved. We're just going <laughs> to... He's, he's going to go. But, but God was long-suffering. He didn't let his emotions get involved. And even though there was a lot of bad things that had gone on, God says, all right, we're going to bring this guy along. And God brought him along, didn't he? And great things came out. Can't we say that greater things came out of Paul's life after he got born again than probably the negative things that happened before? There's our pattern. Jesus Christ is our pattern. Paul is saying, look, here's my life. This is what I was. This is how I was before. And Jesus, he was long-suffering with me. He didn't get emotional. He didn't let the stupid things I was doing, the ignorant things I was doing, the unbelief I was walking in, he didn't let that stir him up in his emotions to where he wiped me out. He was long-suffering. And that's what we need to, to make sure that we do. Stay in that place. So, however, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. He is the pattern. Make sure we follow it. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Got a song out of that one. (laughs) So what impacts our ministry? First off, our constant, ongoing attitude. Your attitude needs to be constant and ongoing. You are either going to be constantly and ongoing, ungrateful, unthankful, who occasionally has times of being thankful, but you've got to force it upon yourself, or you're going to be a person who is constantly, on an ongoing basis, having an attitude of being thankful and grateful. Every, and be thankful and grateful for stuff. Know what it is. Don't just be going out and, Father, I'm thankful. Father, I'm grateful. What are you thankful for? I don't know, but I'm th- I know I'm thankful. No, what are you thankful for? The things are, the, the, the things are thankfulness. The things, I have misspelled out, and that's what it is. The things O-U-R. The things our thankfulness targets. What is it that our thankfulness targets? What are you thankful for that God did for you? Paul gave you three that he was thankful for for his life. You can say, I like those three. (laughs) They work for me. You can find other ones. But make sure that there are things that work for you. Number three, the pattern established for us that we should follow. There is a pattern that is established for us and we need to follow it. Attitude, target of our thankfulness, and the pattern that we are to follow. These are things that are going to impact your ministry. These are the things that are going to impact your service to God. They're going to change the way that you do it. And God is looking around for people that are faithful by His standards, by what He considers to be important, not what we consider to be. Father, we thank You for the help that You give us. We want to be just as Paul is able to say that You counted us faithful and look at what You put in our hands. And when You put those things in our hands... We want to be faithful with those things so that you put more things in our hands. And then when those more things are put in our hands, we want to be attentive to each and every one of them that we can be found faithful with those things. Father, we thank you for the pattern that you have established for us. That we, as ministers of the gospel, need to follow after. We need to not let our emotions get stirred up, but walk in such a way of long-suffering that our emotions... Don't steer us in the wrong direction. Father, we thank you for it. We give you the praise and the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Comments? Questions? Anything to add? Anything I left off? Number, uh, number 10. Uh... I obtained mercy. I've been given an opportunity to serve the one whom I injured. I did leave that one off. Yep. Did not say that. Paul was given the opportunity to serve, when he says here, I obtain mercy, he's saying, I have been given an opportunity to serve the one whom I injured. You imagine that, the one that you hurt has given you an opportunity to serve. 
What what a pattern to follow, huh? Any other comments, things I left off, questions, things to add? You got wore out? Which two? Oh, the first two, gotcha. Actually, it was just one, 12. Yeah, 12 is, 12 is a lot in it, doesn't it? Hmm. They are. When we do it are the flesh. But when you disconnect the flesh and operate in the spirit, it's completely different. Right now, you, if, if when it's hard, we are fighting against our flesh because our flesh gets stirred up. Your spirit doesn't get stirred up with this stuff, but your flesh does. When you can separate yourself from that and get your flesh separate from your spirit and you listen to your, you're moved by what your spirit says, not your mind, not your flesh, it's, it's not hard. It's not the battle anymore. How do you get to that place? How do you separate that flesh in that spirit? It's a dirty little word. Fasting. <laughs> in the area of fasting, see, when you fast, your flesh rises up fast and you hear the voice of that flesh. And when you tell that flesh, no, <laughs> you are not getting food. You are not getting this whatever it is that the flesh wants, and you say, no, you are learning how to control your flesh. And the more you can learn how to say no to your flesh there, then you can say no to your flesh when it says, I want to get mad. It's, it's that simple. And it's not easy to get to that spot, I understand, but that's how you need to, to get to. Because it is your spirit that receives signals from God. It is your flesh that receives signals from this world, from your desires, from your evil desires, as the Word of God puts it. And if you are always moved by this flesh instead of this spirit, it is always a battle. It's always a battle. However, I've not watched this show, so I'm not speaking to you as a person who's seen this show. But I've heard from a number of people who have watched this show, and I love the stories I hear from them. How many have ever seen the show The Dog Whisperer? The dog whisperer. If you ever want to, yeah, if you're ever, you know, sit in front of TV and there's nothing good on, see if you can find an old rerun of the thing. But in the dog whisperer, what they do is this guy comes in with unruly dogs. Ever seen an unruly dog? And within a period of an hour or two, he can get that unruly dog to do what he wants. It's amazing. He can take some of the, he can take some of the bad habits in a dog and turn it like that. Because he understands the mind of the dog. He understands what the dog is responding to. And so what he does is he gets the dog to respond to something else. He's taking dogs that were out there yapping in the yard. Yap, 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 yap. And got them quiet. I mean, it's an amazing show. I, like I said, I haven't seen it. I've heard about it. I love the stories. Because you, get, you just got to understand what is motivating this dog. We got to understand with ourselves. What is motivating... My responses. And as long as the answer to that is my flesh, you are at the mercy of your flesh. Oh, man. That's not going to go well. Can't do that. We've got to respond by our spirit. We've got to and put the flesh responses away. Best way to do that is fasting. There is no better way to do it. That is what separates the natures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, well, you're going to be thinking differently because the, the fasting, it gets the, the flesh out of the way. Because if I keep hearing, you don't deserve that. that. They shouldn't do that to you. They're treating you poorly. Oh, they shouldn't. You see that disrespect? And you hear all that sort of stuff. That's coming from our, from our flesh. That gets us riled up. Yeah, they shouldn't speak to us that way. I'm, oh, I love this one. 
How many have ever said this? <laughs> How many have ever said this one? Do they know who I am? <laughs> they don't know who I am. They're treating me this way, right? <laughs> that is a wrong response. That's a flesh response. I don't care who it is or who it is that's saying it. That is always, 100% of the time, a flesh response. I'll take you to an example. You remember when Jesus was in the wilderness? And the devil came and tempted him? Did Jesus one time say to him, Do you know who I am? Did he say it one time? Did he ever say it? And if you look at this, what happened to Jesus right before he went into the wilderness? Right before he went into the wilderness, what happened to Jesus? Big event. Holy Spirit came down and what was said? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Do we ever have a written record before this that God spoke to Jesus? Do we ever have any place in the Word of God before this that God spoke to Jesus? Ever? As far as we know, that is the first time that God the Father spoke to God the Son. And what did He say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, we go through the wilderness. What is the thing that Jesus, that, that Jesus is tempted with very first? Very first thing the devil says to him. What is the very first thing the devil says to him in the temptation? Very first thing before that. If you are the Son of God. What is, a, what is the first word spoken to him and the last words that he had before he went into the wilderness? This is my beloved son. And the first temptation the devil comes to him says, if you are the son of God. <laughs> if you are the son of God. How many know Jesus could say, don't you know who I am? But he doesn't do it, does he? What does he do? He comes at it with Scripture. If the Son of God Himself cannot use as defense who He is, who do we think we are? <laughs> right? That's a flesh response. And I'll tell you, you can t- every time that you say that out of your mouth, what happens to your flesh? It gets fired up. Right? That's your flesh getting fired up because it gets mad. When you say, don't you know who I am? What happens? On, well, you can feel it on the inside. It's your flesh. Your flesh is getting fired up. You're getting mad. <laughs> it's the wrong response. It's the wrong response. And that's why. We respond from our flesh. We get flesh. You respond from your spirit. You get spirit. You got to shut off the flesh response. So first off, we got to identify them. But that one's really easy to identify because you, you can, every time you say it, you can tell down on the inside of you. You can tell. It gets me fired up on the wrong side. I fire up the flesh. I don't fire up the spirit. The flesh talks so much louder. It does. Until you build up the spirit. Until you build up the spirit. <laughs> build up the spirit enough and the flesh speaks less. It speaks left. Look at all of the, the great athletes, the guys that were just out there in the Olympics, the, the swimmers. And all, I mean, you ever hear the schedule of a swimmer? How early they were up in the morning, they're out in the pool. They're swimming. And then they get some, some neat. Then they're back out in the pool. And at nighttime, where are they? Back out in the pool. And they're swimming. How many of y'all know that the body is telling them at some point, enough of the pool. I'm tired of the pool. I don't want to be out in the pool. How many of y'all know they get up at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning and their body is saying, I don't want to go in the pool. But what do they do? They've, they've taken that voice, pushed it, and, and they don't hear that voice anymore. What they're hearing is the call to the victory, the call to be a winner. And at 5 o'clock, what voice are they hearing? The voice of a winner. Not the voice of the one that says, I don't want to, I don't want to swim. I don't want to do that. 
gymnastics. Those girls that get there and do all that sort of stuff that looks just, I mean, looks deadly to me. I <laughs> get scared for them every time. That, that, uh, balance beam, that's the scariest thing on earth. I'm telling you what. <laughs> I look at them and what they're doing and that, and I'm thinking, I wouldn't do that on a flat mat. <laughs> I would not do it. If it was a flat mat, I would not do it on there, and they're doing it on a little tiny beam. How in the world? And I've heard all the different things, but you know, if you're standing up there on the beam and you're looking, you're going to do a backflip and I'm going to land on my feet. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What's your voice? What's, what's the voice going on inside of you? You're going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die. But they have to hear that voice and at some point they got to quiet that voice down. I know that they start off with tape on a mat and then the tape becomes a little block. And then the block gets a little bit higher and then a little bit higher and until they're doing it off the ground. And then they can just, they just get up there and they do it fearlessly. And there's no fear in them. They're just flip, flip, flip. Bounce, bounce, bounce. I get amazed every time I see them do all that sort of stuff. I don't know that I could get myself... I know I couldn't get myself to be quiet. <laughs> every time I get up there in that beam, I'd be hearing, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> Is it? But they got up there and they don't hear that voice anymore. Where they hear, I can do this. I can do it perfectly. And they do. It's, it's, you, you got to be willing to take, stir that voice down and, uh, and, and change things. And you got to be willing to do that. Your, your um, emotions are going to want to be stirred up. You cannot listen to the voices that stir up your emotions. You've got to turn them down. Because as soon as they get turned up, what happens? I'm not hearing the voice of the Spirit, which means I'm not getting the wisdom that I need. And I'm going to get mad. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to respond out of these things. There's a whole lot of things that people do out of righteous indignation that is just flesh. It is just plain old flesh. You can put any kind of title that you want on it, but flesh stinks. No matter what, you can... You can smell flesh. Any other comments, questions, things to throw in? <laughs> Are we all enjoying First Timothy? No, not coming back. I gave you the opportunity to stay away tonight. 